0: Hello, and welcome into another episode of the Gallant Says podcast, available exclusively live on Twitch, when your boy actually isn't being lazy for months at a time. I am Paul Gallant. It is Monday, July 25th of 2022. Apologies. It has been a very long time. It is entirely my fault. I moved from an apartment into a condo and... I just procrastinated starting this thing back up. No excuse, it's legitimately just laziness. I could say it's because I'm not making any money off of this, but whatever. I mean, if you want the full Paul Galan experience with an occasional cuss or two, fuck, or real, real tangents with no one to stop them, this is the place to go. I spent the past weekend in Seattle. I went to a Mariners-Astros game. For those who don't know, I, a long, long time ago, was part of an alternative broadcast of the Astros winning the 2017 World Series. In fact, I said, let's go, bitches, which many people would argue was a lot more significant than the call made by Rob Ford on the Astros flagship station back in the day. It was my first job in sports radio. It was in Houston, Texas at Sports Radio 610. So I was there for eight years, but then I got fired and I did not know where the hell I was going to end up next. A couple of months later, I end up at 710 ESPN Seattle in Seattle, which was the flagship home of the Seattle Mariners and the Seattle Seahawks. And I have found myself over the last 10 years, predominantly watching two teams that I never grew up watching. I grew up watching the Boston Red Sox. I'm from Boston originally. So I go to Seattle, and because I've covered these two teams over the last 10 years, I do have a deep affinity for both of them. The Astros because, of course, I saw a World Series victory, and the Mariners because I felt like I was in on the ground floor of something new that was starting. In 2020, my first year covering the team during the pandemic, I thought that they were very scrappy despite not having a whole lot of talent. Last year was a whole lot of fun while I was still employed at 7'10", talking about that team every single day. And this year, at least leading into this past weekend, they were on a roll. they would won 14 games in a row. So a lot of reasons to be excited, no? I thought to myself, if I'm going to go to watch a baseball game at T-Mobile Park, I need to, first off, be respectful to the team that I am currently covering, the Houston Astros. Got it. Gotta pander to the base, right? You gotta pander to your audience. But at the same time, I wanted to show some deference to the team that I covered for two years that has a lot of fans that I really like. So I thought to myself, maybe the best way to do this is to make a shirt, a custom shirt, my friends up at the Brass Thimble up in Jersey Village, which is a little burb of Houston. I'm gonna have them put together an old Astros shirt and an old Mariners shirt. I'm gonna wear it to the stadium, And we're going to see what happens, which likely means there's going to be a lot of shit talking. Naturally, there was. We talked about it earlier today on ESPN 97.5. Vanessa and Galan, in case you haven't checked out that show. It's been a lot of fun, that show with Vanessa. And I've been focusing on it for the most part compared to doing some side projects like this little podcast slash Twitch show. But I wore it, got some mean results, uh, reactions to it. I thought they were pretty funny. The internet's not real. I get way worse, worse. I've had way worse threats uh, for other things way back in the day. But it was funny to me. And some people, of course, who didn't like me already, probably thought it was fucking awful. And other people that maybe don't know me that well didn't really understand it. But it's because I worked at two different places. And I've been having a lot of fun with this over the first couple of months doing the show in Houston, where I have been basically saying, yeah, I'm in a polyamorous relationship or a polygamous relationship, a polygamous, <laughs> get it? Relationship with the Mariners, who I want to see do well, and the Astros, who I of course really want to see do well. So I can maybe talk about another World Series championship or something like that. One that maybe isn't thought of as having as a- an asterisk after the fact. Polygamy, you know, we, we frown on it. It is uh, illegal in all 50 states. I did look that up today. Uh, the Edmonds Act... Outlaws de facto polygamy, but get this 2020 Utah polygamy has been reduced in that state to the status of a traffic ticket classic, you know, it's the Mormon route for some Mormons. I don't see anything wrong necessarily with a polyamorous relationship when it comes to sports. And let me defend myself because I imagine a lot of you people listening right now are like, what the fuck, ball? Shut up. It is very hard to remain a true fan to the teams that you grew up rooting for when you move a lot. And I've moved a lot. I lived in Massachusetts until I was 14. When I first moved to Florida after my parents divorced, I moved with my mom to Florida. My dad and my sister stayed up in Massachusetts. And being a Boston sports fan was basically my identity. That's it. I was a diehard Patriots fan. I moved to St. Pete, Florida. And I remember before getting to know pretty much anyone in my high school, I was telling people who were fans of the then defending champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that their team fucking sucked. And that the Patriots were better. Now, I ended up being right. The Patriots won the Super Bowl that year. They won the Super Bowl the next year. But being a Boston sports fan was my entire identity. And I can imagine it was really fucking insufferable at first. Through college at Syracuse, it was the same thing. And then when I first got a job in Houston, same thing. Like, I really clung to where I was from. But no one wants to fucking hear that when you start working at a radio station in another town. And I didn't get that at first. I didn't. I wish that I had been a little bit more willing to embrace some of the teams in town. Now, that said, the Astros were openly tanking. The Rockets brought in James Harden, who I find dishonorable. And the Texans, I never really felt, were particularly good. Even during that 2011 season, that 2012 season, I always looked at them and said, yeah, but if you played the Patriots, you would lose. So I was a bit of a dick when I first came down to Houston. I thought to myself, when I go to Seattle, I'm going to be different. I'm going to embrace this team from the get-go. No questions asked. I embrace you. Maybe the fans, maybe the listeners embrace me. And that's kind of what happens when you are a sports talk show host and you don't work in the city that you grew up. It's just fucking weird. And it's hard to be the same fan of the teams that you grew up rooting for. You realize if I'm going to continue to invest my time In the teams I grew up rooting for, I'm going to be basically wasting time. It's, it's a time management thing. If I decide that I'm going to watch every single, let's say Boston Red Sox or Boston Celtics game, that is time I am taking away from trying to do the best possible show I can for Houston or for Seattle. And over time, I watched less and less first Red Sox games and even Celtics games until the actual playoffs. Next thing, I found myself watching less Patriots games, which is really the weirdest thing of all, because that team is the closest thing to religion that I really have ever had. But when you're not watching them at all on Sundays, you just slowly get a little more and more and more distant. I mean, I would spend entire Sundays at NRG Stadium before the game, during the game and after the game until like 6.30 central time leading up to Sunday night football. I would basically only get to watch a Patriots game if they were playing on Sunday night or on Monday night football. And as time wore on, I found myself watching games between Houston sports teams and Massachusetts sports teams, New England sports teams, and eventually the same thing with Seattle and realizing, wow, I'm, I don't really know who I'm rooting for. I don't even know what I like anymore. The first moment of that was in 2018. The Texans were playing the Patriots. It was, I think, the first game of the season. And there was a lot of expectations for the Texans. Deshaun Watson was going into his second year. They um, seemed like they were going in a better direction with Rick Smith out of the way. And first game of the year, they just laid an egg. They were down 14 points with five minutes to go. They punted down two scores and made no sense And I remember being more angry that the Texans lost that game than being happy that the Patriots won. They won because of a dramatic Tom Brady last-second touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks. I was not as happy about that touchdown reception as I should have been. Inwardly, I was saying, well, that's nice. But at the same time, I was thinking to myself, fuck, I wanted the Texans to win this game, I think. And I found myself doing the same thing when I was in Seattle in 2020, week two, Patriots-Seahawks. Same thing. I found myself... Happier that the Seahawks won that game with that goal line stand that they had at the end uh, against the Pats. Thinking to myself, oh, this is, this, yeah, this, this is, I guess, who I'm rooting for now. I care more about the team than I'm covering on a daily basis. So, look, I I understand everybody who's coming after me and saying, oh, you're a fucking asshole. What are you doing? You're an attention-seeking whore. That is 100% true. That is entirely the reason I did that. I'm a little show pony peacock. It's sports talk radio, people, you know? This is one of those things where you're trying to create content in July. People don't like talking or hearing about baseball every single day unless they are way up there in age. People that are watching something on Twitch generally, I would imagine, are a little bit younger. People that I want to attract as listeners are generally going to be a little bit younger, let's be honest. So you got to create some fun every now and then. I thought it would be fun, and I was curious as to how many people would say, like, fuck you, Paul, but the people in Seattle don't really do that when I was at T-Mobile Park. Really didn't have that much of that. Did have a couple of people recognize me. Shout out to them. That made my day. It really did. Because there are times where I, especially when I first got back to Seattle, I was thinking to myself, damn it, I really wish this had worked. The show I had with Danny was fun. The show I had with Mora was fun. It's a bummer. And I was thinking that along the way. Now, who was I rooting for in that Astros-Mariners game? If there was a gun held to my head, I guess we'll never know the answer to that. Unless I get another broadcast in me and I'm like, really, really? intoxicated what's going on on the twitch side of things comment section uh go Kooks 1248 happy you're back man uh just subscribe to the twitch show oh, excuse me the uh, vanessa and galant show last week uh i appreciate that uh brad hall yo been missing this paul uh go coogs 1248 just like jason being a show pony being a center of attention i think he's talking about my guy jason rants over at ktth in seattle yeah he's my guy Listen, move to Seattle, be in the middle of the road, and then see how that gets you. See how that has you feeling after, I don't know, a couple of months. Uh, The political side of things, I do not miss that about Seattle. The scenery, oh, fuck. It was great to be back this weekend. It was perfect weather weekend weekend of weather, um, really, the whole way through. Uh, While I was in Seattle, this goes back to something that I constantly have as a problem in my personal life. And I'm curious as to how many people actually feel this feel this way. How many of you guys out there want what you know you can't have? You know you can't have it. I'm not talking about just money or objects or um, love interests. I'm just talking about anything. It seems to be natural, right? We want it because we don't have it. We get it. Would we fully even appreciate it? It's a great question. And it's one that I find myself asking myself after this weekend. For those who don't know, I'm rather commitment phobic when it comes to my uh, relationships my love relationship, specifically I'm talking about. Cause if I'm friends with somebody, I'm going to try to be friends with that person as long as I possibly can catch up with them whenever I'm in town. Like I go out of my way to do that, but I'm not as good at that with, uh, relationships with people that I, you know, want to date, potentially want to marry if that's even possible for me down the road. And I found myself in Seattle, wandering right back into one of the, I guess, same old traps with somebody who I care a great deal for who I know definitively is not into me though every now and then there are comments made by her that make me feel like well uh, is this really over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor was it truly over and I will sucker myself into believing that I actually have a chance at this Every single time. And I found myself doing that uh, late Saturday night, most of Sunday, until I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and said, hey, Paul, calm the fuck down. Cold bucket of ice. No matter how attractive this person might have looked over the course of the weekend, you can't have it. You don't live in Seattle anymore. And she ain't into it. And yet, again, I continue to talk myself into it. Why? I looked this up online. There's actually, I guess, a, a movement When it comes to uh, people who are into those who are uh, not into them at all. Wanting what you can't have. And they gave the top 10 reasons. We are excited about the thrill of the chase. As reason number one. Fuck that. I am not. I do not enjoy the chase. I feel less like it is a chase and more like it is a shark Smelling blood in the water and just naturally being drawn to it. That's it. Like I don't, I don't think, I don't think at all that it's being excited about chasing somebody. No, fuck that. And yet I keep doing it over and over again. I think I'm just used to chasing things. Uh, number two, we believe if by being val- accepted by the individual we desire, it will add value to us or validate us. Maybe. Maybe there's a part of me that always feels like when I see someone like this, that like, I just know I want this. But again, I've never gotten it. I, I guess it's sort of like in the dark night where the Joker says, I'm an agent of chaos. I'm just chasing a, an ambulance like a dog. I have no idea what I'll do if I actually catch it. Uh, continues, this is basically the same point. Number three, it will satisfy our ego. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know about that. Uh, Go, kooks Twelve forty-eight says Paul. It was the Japanese who bombed Pearl Harbor, not the Germans. Go watch Animal House. It's a reference. Uh, we will struggle. We struggle with low self-esteem. Yes. Now that is true. That is the first point as far as wanting what I can't have. That is the first point that has actually made sense to me. Uh, number five. We are attracted to the unknown or unpredictability of the other person unpredictability, definitely not. I don't think any of these people have been unpredictable because just about every single time that I have pursued, it has been like a deft, no, no, you know? But like in a very polite way that hasn't actually involved the word no. It's an implied no. And I'm an asshole and I just keep on pursuing because I'm a toxic masculine, I think. I think that's how it would go. Definitely attracted to the unknown, I guess, but I mean, who isn't, right? You're kind of like, whoa, what happens if this actually happens? Uh, We want to fulfill a fantasy that could be true Uh, as this continues reasons that people want what they can't have. Uh, We want to prove to ourselves and others we deserve to have them. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I think about the way others think about a relationship that I'm in with somebody else, probably to my own detriment. Uh, (laughs) In the past, that could have been Uh, we unconsciously placed superhuman characteristics on our object of desire well this person does have some superhuman characteristics if you get what i'm saying chicka, chicka. the less the person reciprocates the more time we tend to invest trying to get the person to reciprocate fuck well that's that's it in a nutshell i think but yeah i want what i can't have i go back to seattle i'm there for just a little bit of time and guess what i want what i can't have again I really wish it wasn't the case. I so badly wish it wasn't the case. And I know I'm doing it. That's the worst part. I'm self-aware enough to realize I'm doing it and yet I can't stop. Like slow motion going into a car crash with no ability to press on the brakes. Just skidding and skidding forward until eventually uh, nothing happens. (laughs) Like it always does. Huh. I wonder how the hell you get out of that. Or how anyone that has, I don't know, maybe gone through something like that, gets out of it. Whatever. That's where I am once again. I think this person knows who I'm talking about too. Should they be watching? Sup? You think that sup will get them to change their mind? Hey, what's going on? You were looking real hot on Saturday. Yeah? Come on, babe. Give Give us a shot. Should I like drop some sort of line from Jerry Maguire? One time with another person that I felt similarly about. And may or may not have continued to pursue it in the 10 years afterwards with a bit of success until I actually, you know, had the thing happen that I wanted. Then I realized, oh, I don't think I want it anymore, which is another thing that I have in the back of my mind. Sort of like JD when he finally gets with Elliot at the end of, I think, season three of Scrubs. And he's like, I don't want it anymore. But I traveled all the way out to uh, Los Angeles to talk with somebody that um, I was always super into. And I got one of my friends to distract her then-boyfriend at the time so I could deliver this ridiculous Jerry Maguire-esque speech. And, man, I thought I slayed it. Now, I was absolutely fucking hammered, and I ended up puking later that night. So for all I know, the, the, the speech was like, I That ass, no, or something like that. But I felt like I really nailed it to the point that I gave a homeless person $20 on my way out, which I would never do. And then... A couple of days later, I got a long Facebook match. We can't be friends anymore, and I was like, "Oh, damn, that sucks." But is giving that kind of speech is that going to do anything different? No. The answer is no. The answer is always no. See, here I am. I'm talking myself into this bullshit right now. It is a problem, and I think I need therapy. Uh, Twitch.tv/slash/espn975. I already muted you. Says Galant back from the dead. What a sweep weekend up north. To go back to just the actual Mariners Astros series what bums me out the most about that series is it was over before it even fucking began I mean here we are before the game begins seeing Julio Rodriguez pose at home plate with John Stanton the uh, chairman of the Mariners and general manager Jerry DePoto and I mean felt like a coronation after he had that 81 home run performance at the all-star game at the all-star weekend. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm sitting next to a couple of people and they point out, wait a second, Julio Rodriguez isn't in center field. And I look out there too. And I'm like, wait a second, what the fuck just happened? So we're trying to figure out, did he get COVID? Did he get injured in some way, shape or form? And we found out that I guess while sliding into second base, Julio Rodriguez injured his wrist and yet he still participated in the home run derby, which some people are mad about. Yeah, whatever, right? It is regular season games. You do want the guy to be available, but sometimes you can actually make this into a uh, lesson for a young player. And you hope that Rodriguez will be fine coming back from said wrist injury. If I'm not mistaken, he had a wrist injury when he was in the minors not too long ago, right? I think it was a wrist injury. I want to say that was 2020. 2020 when that happened and i think it also was sliding into a base so take that for what you will but you look into the outfield you see no julio and you're like oh shit well is this even really the supreme version of the 2022 seattle mariners and then first at bat of the game boom jose altuve home run and then not too long later boom Jordan alvarez home run i mean fuck the game was done right it was over That was it. And the series was over at that point. No Julio, no chance. That's how I feel going forward. That's kind of how I felt going into it too. I thought to myself, yeah, the Astros are probably going to win two of three. They just beat the Yankees on a back-to-back on a doubleheader. Of course they're going to win this series. They're on a roll. They're better than the Mariners. No offense to the Mariners fans out there. But I was hoping that the Mariners would actually show up and and be challenging. But I don't know. No Julio. I, I mean, you're getting punched in the balls before the series even begins. So that was a bummer. A uh, couple of uh, comments on Twitch, twitch.tv slash, uh, Gallant says um, Go Cougs is saying, "Oh, I have not seen uh, Animal House." Um, a little bit further, and he's talking about the politics of Seattle. We'll get to the politics of Seattle in, in, in a little bit. Uh, Instant Karma two hundred six. Who's your college football team, Paul? My college football team is actually the Florida Gators, which is weird, right? I thought for the longest time, until I was probably 16, 17 years old, that I was going to go to Florida. I thought I was also going to play football at Florida. A little bit naive on my front, huh? on that front, huh? but I love the Gators. Um, I ultimately went to Syracuse, who was not good at football. They used to be good at football in the 90s, the early 2000s. Uh, they had a really fun year a couple of seasons ago where they actually had 10 wins, which was shocking. I was so excited for that team. They almost beat Clemson earlier that year. Uh, Eric Dungy was the quarterback. Really, the only game where they looked like shit that whole season was where they got smoked by Notre Dame, but Syracuse football, they're not very good. I've accepted it. I have moved on, you know? And so Florida is usually my number one team, but Florida, all of a sudden, they're not good either. Uh, what else do we have? Twitch.tv slash Gallant says, Um, I mean, it was also over before it started because Nate Mariners Twitter pissed off um, Lance McCullers and our team. I, I don't know, man. Like, so that, that person, Alex season who, who I follow on, on Twitter, I, I, he's always been cool to me. Um, I, Saw him put out a post like, this is our World Series. Be dicks to Astros fans was the implication. Be dicks to the Astros on the field. Whatever, All right? I mean, be a hostile fan base. You don't have to be polite to the players out there. Of course, be funny. Be creative if you're going to talk shit. That's how I always feel. Otherwise, you're going to rub the people that are sitting around you the wrong way when you're at a game and you're just being a dick the whole game. Sounding like a drunk, or drunk asshole. We had kids sitting in front of me, so I had to, <laughs> I had to put a sock in it myself. which was hard if you guys have watched me on this. Um, But I don't think that they pissed off Lance McCullers. I don't think that they pissed off the Astros at all. No. I mean, the Astros have been through this so many times. You you think they give a damn about what some fans say? No. They realize that the Mariners are feeling good about themselves, but they have been through the ringer so many times since the cheating scandal um, really blew up. Like they, they are unflappable in my opinion. Uh, go Cougs at 1248. The lack of communication was frustrating. Um, the Mariners did blow it with the injury report. I was honestly more worried about what's wrong with Julio and then the home run, the worst two minutes of my 2022 life. Yes, 100%. All the show and the hype for the All-Star logo too is pretty lame. Uh, I Already Muted You says, aren't you a Lightning fan too? Yes, this is another weird thing about growing up in Boston. And I'll explain all my fanhood. I can actually do the power rankings of it. Patriots are number one. Celtics are number two. That has always been the case. The Red Sox used to be my favorite baseball team, and I would probably say that they were ahead of the Boston Celtics for a time. When they won the World Series in 2004, it stopped being the same. I can't really explain it. It just stopped being as dramatic, even though the Red Sox have you know, been really good since then, too. There was a point in 2011 where they fired Terry Francona, and they kind of smeared him on the way out. And then I went back in time and saw other guys that they smeared on the way out. Nomar garcia apar, was another one. And I thought that, I don't know, there's something about the Red Sox that just rubbed me the wrong way. And then I did a little work on the weekends for the Red Sox flagship station, and I... Made one comment on a show about how I'd rather be day drinking with friends than talking about how it's a big deal that the uh, that the Red Sox beat the uh, Blue Jays in a grand slam. <laughs> And it was piggybacking off of a commentary that was taking place on uh, Kirk and Callahan um, from earlier in the week on WEI. I didn't want to do the fucking post game show for the Red Sox. Sorry, I, I, I don't I don't care that much about baseball to do a post game show. So I wanted to do a talk show. I did that. And some guy who was like the Red Sox pre and post made some snide remarks and some other people made some snide remarks, too. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. Fuck the Red Sox. That was basically when I was out on them um, completely. But, you know, supported the Astros And then when they won the World Series, it sort of became like, you know, the new love of my life, the new wife. And if you notice, when I was in Seattle, I never outright came out against the Astros for the cheating. I was like, well, other teams are doing it, too. It's bad. But is it that bad? That's, I guess, what happens when you're a Patriots fan growing up. Sorry to get back to how I'm a Lightning fan. So I did not go to like any hockey games when I was growing up in Massachusetts, not one. The reason was my dad was a diehard Bruins fan growing up. And he got really pissed off at the Jacobs family, which is the family that owns the Bruins. And they were really cheap. And there was a point in time where they let some of their best players go for, like, nothing. One of them uh, was Bobby Orr. Um, uh, They, I guess, could have matched some contract that he signed with the Chicago Blackhawks, and they didn't. I I think that's how the story goes. And um, there was another guy, too. I want to say it was Phil Esposito, who they let walk. And my dad just was so grossed out by it that he basically stopped liking sports so I never really went to any hockey games growing up even though my dad was a diehard hockey fan played hockey growing up so then when I moved to Florida I didn't really have a whole lot of friends at first and my uncle my uncle Len and I we went to uh, 12 games a year that they won the Stanley Cup which was so awesome what sucks about it and why I'm not like the most diehard lightning fan ever is the year after they won the Stanley Cup there was the lockout and then I just stopped kind of being into hockey so hockey's always been, like, I play the video games. That was pretty much the closest I would get to watching hockey games on, a, on an annual basis. I will try to watch the Stanley Cup Finals. I know that when um, I was at, I, th- I want to say, Kirby Ice House in Houston, watching the Lightning and Rangers play, and I got into the game because there were a bunch of New York fans rooting for the Rangers, and I just wanted to be an asshole. So I started rooting really loudly for the Lightning. But, I, like, the Lightning are probably the team I'm most casual about. Uh, what other comments do we have? Twitch.tv slash... Uh, Galant says expect an update uh, an update uh, per go 1248 about Julio Ryan Divish tweeted Scott service expects him back tomorrow uh, instant karma 206 says Seahawks are tanking this season should fans care it's hard to care when those are the two quarterbacks you have going into the year it really is I don't know what they think they're getting out of Drew Locke I know what they're getting in Geno Smith uh, Drew Locke had a good game against the Texans a couple of years ago for what it's worth but I mean yeah that is really what it feels like they are doing uh, I I Don't think anyone can really with a straight face outside of positive Pete can say that, yeah, Drew Locke gives us the best chance to win. One last comment before we hit the road. This is where we get to the politics side of things. Why are we so fascinated with words? And why do we deny that one word is actually right in front of our faces? So the, I guess White House put out a um, press release and it had to do with the word recession, which anyone with eyes, a bank account, stocks, probably you see it right in front of you, right? You don't need to... I feel like have the definition be exact to know that. Yeah. The economy is not in great shape, but late last week, the president Joe Biden white house issued a document stating that two straight quarters of negative GDP, which is what we're about to happen have happened to us is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen Sunday said she would be amazed if the National Bureau of Economic Research, which determines whether we are officially in a recession, were to declare that, and then flatly stated we are not in a recession, saying, quote, even if that GDP number is negative, we are not in a recession now. And I would, you know, warn that we should not be characterizing that as a recession, which would look really bad for the Biden White House leading up to midterms and stuff. Forget the political side of things. Does it really matter if it's not a recession? Like it's fucking bad. I get it. You're trying to make yourself look as best as you possibly can as we get closer and closer to elections that will likely be very bloody for one side of the aisle. But why can't you just be honest with us for a change? The spin zoning to keep your job, you can do it, but everyone sees fucking through it. Would it be that hard for someone to be honest for a change? There have been a couple of frustrating things I've seen recently. And look, I'm not going to act like I know that much about the economy. I'm not going to act like I know that much about anything at all when it comes to the political side of things, you know? I'm just a fucking idiot sports talk show host that notices some things and is like, huh, Huh? Huh? Like, that's it. That's generally my reaction to things. But we've had President Biden saying, yeah, gas prices, it's due to Russia. Is it? I mean, couldn't it be due to a... Her- Bunch of different factors. We're just going to blame everything on Russia's war with Ukraine. We're just going to blame it on Putin. And then you're going to say that and you're going to give it like a billion dollar package over to Ukraine and and say, oh yeah, but it's really Russia's fault. Why, you know, the economy's not great. Why we're in debt, all these different things. And look, obviously smarter people than me could look at some of the points that I've just made right here and, and, you know, put little holes in them. All I'm asking is why can't we just be honest The economy's fucking bad. Why are we blaming other people? Why are we saying, well, it's not technically a recession. What does that accomplish? It's bad. We all need it to be better. One side has, I would imagine, a method to make it better. The other side has another method to make it better. I just care about making it better. Left or right, I I don't give a fuck. It's bad right now, right? Stop acting like it's not happening. Stop being, just treating us like we're children it's not actually a recession, then what the fuck is it? And why can't you say recession? It's embarrassing. It's unbecoming. It's classic politicians. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Gallant Says Podcast. If you like this podcast, and you want to listen to it in audio form, subscribe to the Galant Says podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. The episode will be up later tonight. If you haven't already, give all my social medias a follow. Twitter.com slash Galant Says. Instagram.com slash SportsGallant. TikTok.com. Yes, I'm on that. Slash galant says as well so long farewell thank you so much for tuning in so sorry it took me so long to get back at it we will be back at it tomorrow afternoon until then later